This is The School Bell, brought to you by Independent Schools Queensland, the peak body promoting, supporting and developing Queensland's independent schools. It was important for me to find a school that was suitable for both my kids. Parents are very savvy about school choice, that independent schools are providing what parents want. Highly accomplished and lead teachers are doing amazing things every day in the classrooms. I think people would love to be asked more to step into leadership opportunities. So as leaders um, in education, we can provide those opportunities and facilitate them for people. Hello, I'm Shari Armistead, Director Strategic Relations at Independent Schools Queensland. Welcome to The School Bell. In this episode, I'll be speaking with social entrepreneur Felicity Fury. Felicity skyrocketed to the top to lead some of Australia's most innovative mega infrastructure projects. Her engineering mindset is primed to help school leaders reignite performance, reframe challenges as opportunities, and redefine what's possible in the future of business and leadership. Welcome, Felicity. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Very much looking forward to you also speaking at our ISQ State Forum Celebrating Change, which is on on the 17th of June as well. I'm very excited to speak at that event and meet all of your amazing school leaders and speak to them about what's possible for them in uh, the future of their schools. That's fantastic. That's what we like to hear. So at the beginning, we'd like to have you tell us a little bit about your personal leadership story, if we wouldn't mind. Sure. Well, I thought growing up that a leader was someone who had lots of wrinkles, grey hair, maybe a PhD or a fancy title. And I thought I might be a leader one day, someday. And I think actually my first leadership experience was at school where I nominated to be uh, one of the you know captains of the house and I didn't get the role and I got really disappointed. And that kind of disappointment went, oh, maybe leadership's not for me. Maybe I'll just kind of take a back seat and just hope it happens at some point in my career. And then I got really passionate about getting more girls into engineering because I was turning up in my engineering classes and in the workplace and seeing that there just weren't any people like me. There weren't many women in my teams or in the workplace. And so I kind of was had to be a leader because I wanted to go change this. So I stuck my hands up for an opportunity, uh, started a not-for-profit and didn't set out to go be a leader. I just wanted to go create a change. And I learned and discovered leadership along the way and really believe that no matter where you are, what your role is, you have that opportunity to step out and be a leader. Wow. So you really do embody the be the change you want to be type of person, a real self-starter who doesn't take no for an answer by the sound of it. So you have been going into that. um, How old is your business now? Well, the first business I started is actually nearly 10 years old. So we've been going for quite some time. Before STEM was even a word, actually, uh, we were talking about engineering to high school students. So yeah, I've learned a lot over the last 10 years. Wow. That's amazing. So how old were you when you started it? I was 25, so it, uh, yeah, definitely on the younger side of things uh, to be the founder of a, a not-for-profit, and I think actually that gave me a lot of energy and passion and naivety because I had no idea what I was doing, and if I'd known some of the challenges that I would have faced, I'm not sure I would have actually started it because it's been also tough along the way. Amazing. Well, you're not one to be bound by gender or generational stereotypes, so what are the key differences that you see in the millennial leaders' workers versus the baby boomers and the Gen X? 
Great question. I think uh, in the past it has been there's your work and then there's your life and they've been quite separate things sort of three generations ago. And then it's really moved to be this work-life integration. And we started seeing the work and life come together in the baby boomer generation and then in Gen X. But I think most strongly in the millennials, it is really integrated. And COVID's been a real accelerant to that too for not just millennials, but for other people to, or uh, all generations, I should say, to have that mix of work and and life and I think in some ways it's made us more human because we're getting into the lounge rooms and um, kitchens of everybody through working online so I think the work-life integration has been really interesting and it means that uh, millennials aren't as driven as much by money uh, they want to go work on things that are important to them and to make an impact. So what's your advice to school leaders in how to get the best out of millennial staff and those aspiring leaders from the millennials? I think giving them opportunities to lead and it can be, uh, I talk about manufacturing opportunities. So it might be um, that, it, and it can be a real opportunity for, for leaders too. You know, leaders are so busy, they've got a lot on their plate. And is there a part of your role that you can um, break off and actually give a leadership opportunity to somebody who is younger? Even in my own um, day job at Swinburne University, I uh, wanted to do more of the people side of things and wanted to step out in that leadership role. So I even asked my manager, look, I'd like to take on some of this, um, the people management of the team, would you be okay with that? And we created a plan where I could actually do that. And so I got to learn all these skills that were outside of my regular day-to-day role. And then he also had the opportunity to take some things off his plate. So I think it can be an opportunity for both parties. And it means that we're getting lots more different, lots of different perspectives rather than um, maybe a small group of people who are in that leadership team. So I think creating opportunities like that where people can actually practice their leadership because often we don't get those opportunities until later in our career and we can practice those earlier. So that's your personal impact that you've seen when an experienced workers collaborate with millennials and younger staff, your own personal experience. Have you also witnessed that with others that you have helped into that um, mindset? Absolutely. So I actually run a leadership program called the Millennial Leadership Program. So we're helping millennial leaders and we call it to step out, to step up. And so we're working with some individuals in the STEM industry and helping them create these opportunities for themselves. So what we do with them is we help them create a leadership in action project where they work on something that's important to them and they create a case study for their leadership, get that visibility and recognition within their organisations. And again, it's a great opportunity for them to practice those leadership skills. And I think sometimes people think, oh, maybe I'll just sort of wait for the opportunity to open up. But if you don't have those experiences going into those opportunities, then um, you might not be selected for that role. So we're helping people get that experience before they actually get into those roles. So they're prepared and they're confident and they're ready when they go into those positions. Oh, great idea. So how many schools and students have you worked with to date? Well, so far I've worked with over, I think it was, I think we're up to 12,500 students with Power of Engineering. So that's specifically working on STEM skills and uh, through speaking and sharing this message about leadership. I'm up to about 20,000, which sounds pretty unreal when I say it out loud. Um, (laughs) uh, But I'm just very, very passionate about sharing this message. So I'll speak to anyone who listens. So appreciate uh, having me on this podcast and getting to share this message today. 
That's great. So what are your observations of the characteristics of this generation of young people? There's a lot of talk about increasing rates of mental health issues in this generation. Are you seeing anything like that or any crisis of confidence or a fragile generation or quite the opposite? It's a fascinating question. I think from my own personal observation, mental health is something that's talked about a lot more. I think people, you know, just in my friendship group and the leaders that we work with, it is talked about very openly. I think previously it hasn't been as open and that saying of it's okay to not be okay. And I think certainly in the workplace, it's been much, you know, taking mental health day is okay and it's actually seen as a sign of that's really great that you're taking care of yourself at least in the workplaces that I've been in so I think it's a big issue um, a big challenge for young people the rates are increasing with young people which is a bit scary and I wonder if social media has had an impact on that and so I think it's um, it's up to us to have that first aid training of how do we help people in these situations because I'm definitely coming across it more and more um prevalent in young people today so yeah I think it's a big issue that we need to address. What about resilience I mean that's something that I know a lot of the older generations have prided themselves on but they were worried about the younger generations not having that resilience do you think maybe COVID-19 and the issues that had to be faced because of it might help them with that? Absolutely and I love that word resilience and it's uh, just in terms of personal story um, when I was 22 my father passed away suddenly and it was very unexpected um you know he was he was seemed to be quite fine and my two business partners actually had a similar situation happen to them they were 15 and 30 years old when their fathers both both passed away suddenly and there's a piece of research that was done out of the university of queensland which actually looked at asx listed ceos and they looked at men and women and um, and their backgrounds and women who had gone through these traumatic experiences, whether it was someone passing away or being very unwell in their close family or even themselves being unwell, um, it, it showed that they had this resilience and they were doing really well in these CEO roles. Um, so the men in the group, they actually were uh, the leaders of the football club and so they learned resilience in other ways. And so as business partners, we talk about this a lot of what has that meant for our journey into leadership and it has definitely taught us a lot of resilience. So I think it's really important for young people to get these these experiences. And if you're not, you know, obviously I don't want to say to people having a tragic situation like that happen to them, um, but there's lots of ways we can really push the boundaries for ourselves and test our resilience. And COVID-19 has been a great test to that. And there's also ways that we can do that in a safe way, I think by really challenging ourselves and putting ourselves out there. So if you're a young person, um, there's lots of ways that you can do that by taking on leadership responsibilities, whether that's in your community, um, or if you're a leader, you can support and encourage young people to step up and try things. And I think with resilience goes that, um, that conversation of failure and creating those safe spaces for people to fail. And I think that's really important that we create psychological safety around these experiences um, so that we're ensuring that people are kept safe with their mental health. Do you find there's a difference in the different generations between about those softer skills? Mm, that's, a, that's really fascinating. I think, I'm not sure actually if there is much of a difference. I, I, I don't really like to classify people in terms of this person's exactly like this and this person's exactly like that. Um, I think from an engineering perspective, we've traditionally not been great at the softer skills and it's uh, becoming more and more important because the, the projects that we're working on 
are increasingly complicated and increasingly complex. So I think that um, those skills are going to be more and more needed because we're always working in teams, uh, we're collaborating and we're working together and getting different perspectives and, and different diversity and inclusion um, on board. So I wouldn't say, I'm not sure, it's, it, there's fascinating research around um, how, you know, Older generations might have spoken on the phone where you know, younger people are more likely to text and things like that. So I think there can be some limitations in how we've grown up communicating um, that might not help us with our soft skills, but I think it's incredibly important um, going forward. And there's obviously a lot to be learned from each other, isn't there, and working together across the generations. I think that's the best way to learn. And I think it's the, be- the best way we need, you know, the best way to work going forward. And it's not just, you know, for millennials to collaborate with wisdom workers or older generations. It makes sense for older generations to collaborate with, with millennials. And there's a great example of this with uh, Chip Connolly, who did a, a TED talk about it. And he was brought into Airbnb because of his knowledge of hotels. But he had no idea of the tech side of things. And so there was a 20-something young female who was helping him out translating the tech. And she couldn't do her job without him and he couldn't do her job without her. So I think we're going to see more and more of that where we've got this incredible resource of knowledge from older generations and then we've got new ways of working that young people or younger generations might be more familiar with and we really need that partnership and and people working together. Which is good because otherwise um, some of the older workers might feel, oh, well, they're being taken over by the younger workers, but they're very much needed. Now, you will use the term wisdom workers. That's a really nice term. Yes, and that's what Chip talks about in his TED Talk. So I wish I had invented it, but uh, he came up with that. And I love that because there is so much wisdom and so much gold. And I think we really need to appreciate that in the older generations. Um, There was a guy I used to work with who was an expert on pavement design. Uh, That might sound boring to some people out there, but as a civil engineer, it was pretty cool. And you could literally point at a map on Queensland and say, I need to build a road here. What pavement do I need to do? And it was so much quicker asking this guy, Alan, than uh, looking it up the standards and doing all of the research. And so without Alan, it was going to be really hard for me to do my job as an engineer. So there are these amazing people out there and we need to utilise this, this resource um, from the, the wisdom workers of the world. So what do you think you should be celebrating from the pandemic and that COVID-19 that we've all been thrust into? Uh, there, there are obviously um, the downside, clearly, of having a pandemic, but what's the positives that we can take out of it? There, I think there are a lot of positives and it has been a really challenging time for a lot of people depending on um, what your circumstances are. And for me, it's been so helpful just to really stop and, and pause. And I think a lot of young people have, have taken stock of what, you know, what am I doing? What's my purpose? What's really important to me? And so it's been a, a great pause to take a deep breath and uh, connect back to nature or those things that you know make us happy. And that's something that we've done within our family um, is that we, instead of being in the city, we've moved out and uh, we're much closer to nature and it's had us really reflect on where do we want to go and we're not rushing around like we used to be and I think that's a real blessing to be able to have those connection moments. We've got a young son who's one year old so it's been such a privilege to have time with him and for my husband to be home and working from home and I think it actually has meant that I've connected with a lot more people because it's, you, know, you don't have to have the face-to-face meeting. So I'm connecting with people internationally, but also within Australia much more easily because Zoom is just such a, you know, video conferencing is 
a really easy way for us to connect. And so it breaks down a lot of those barriers and um, I've been able to be in more comfortable shoes, which has been nice. I think that's my biggest takeaway is comfortable shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. And so what another thing for schools and school leaders to take from your um, engineering mindset and your leadership um, way of thinking? Well, the engineering mindset is to have things work better and it's, it's, I think a lot of people do focus with engineering on the technical aspects of it, whether you're building a bridge or analysing code or designing things, but it's actually just a way of thinking and solving problems. And so we can learn a lot. You don't have to be an engineer to think like an engineer, which is good news. So I think the, that approach can, can help people look at problems in a different perspective. And it, it considers a lot of views in engineering design. We look at empathy um, at the beginning of our designs and empathize with the people that we're designing for. So I think as, as a leader, engineering has really helped me to use that problem-solving framework or design thinking methodology to think about how can I help things and design things for people as a leader. So for me, in some ways, engineering and leadership go hand in hand. I probably wouldn't have said that um, the beginning of my leadership journey, but that's really helped. The, the engineering mindset has helped me in my mission to go solve a problem, whether it's getting more women into engineering, uh, whether it's getting kids excited about maths or training the next generation of leaders, I have used that approach. And I think it's really helped me um, be a better leader because I've looked at what's my leadership style? Is it working? What's the data? What's the information that I'm getting? And then how can I improve that and, and move forward? So it's helped me, I think, be a stronger leader, um, even though you probably would would immediately think engineering is analytical and, and process driven. Um, I think the two go, go very well together. But you also have a love of arts and um, a bit of the creative side of things too. So you've got a bit of both worlds, haven't you? That's right. Yes. When I was at school, I actually got the art prize and I wanted to go be an artist when I finished school. My mum studied visual art and it was one of my preferences and she actually suggested that I didn't do it. And um, it was thanks to my high school physics teacher, Mr. Adamson at All Hallows, if you're listening. And he suggested engineering and I thought, engineers just do maths all day. That sounds really boring. I don't know if that's for me. I didn't think it was creative at all, but I think creativity is the biggest asset for an engineer because we're designing things and solving problems and um, it's, it's really a creative role because you have to think of new solutions that have never existed before. So I think it's one of the most creative things that you can do. And I'm actually really grateful that I had my art background because it's helped me be a better engineer. Well, again, you're not putting yourself or anybody else into the stereotypes or little boxes and that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's just seeing everything. So what's the one takeout you would like um, leaders and school leaders in particular to take from your um, speech when you talk at the State Forum and also just what you do in your business? I think anyone can be a leader. You don't have to have the title of leader. So when you are in those leadership positions, it's a, a really amazing opportunity to find hidden leaders within your team and within your school. And that could be anyone from someone in the teaching team or even a student. And I think people would love to be asked more to step into leadership opportunities. So as leaders um, in education, we can provide those opportunities and facilitate them for people. So the biggest takeaway is for me would be who are the leaders? How do you help people lead without a title? And how do you manufacture some of those leadership opportunities to help them succeed in their leadership journey? 
Fantastic. Uh, just uh, an offshoot of that question is that it interests me is that when you have leaders, sometimes they're a bit, maybe may we say, protective of their patch. So how do you overcome that when you're saying you're manufacturing and giving away parts of their roles to help others? Of course, you that's a mentoring type of thing. But what's the benefit for them? Oh, that's a great question. I think the benefit for them is that it's one of those things where you've got to invest that time in training somebody and it might take more time in the beginning, but in the long run, it's going to pay off and be a better outcome for um, your team, for your school, because you're going to have this amazing energy and these almost ambassadors or champions within your school or your organization that um, can go champion leadership. And so it might be yeah, challenging to give up um, some of those leadership opportunities. And I think that's also, if that is coming up for you, then I think that's a really great place to start and reflect for yourself of why do I not want to give away that leadership? And for me personally, I found that to be a challenging uh, thing. I actually gave away the day-to-day running of the business that I started, Power of Engineering, and I did that because I could see that as an organization, it was going to be the best outcome for the organization and to inspire the most amount of girls into engineering. And my ego didn't want to. My ego wanted to hang on to it and have the title and the glory. But I just knew that was the best thing for the organization. I think sometimes that is leadership. So if it is something that people are challenged with, then I think that's the thing to explore. Um, what opportunities are getting missed out on because of that perspective? And then um, looking and, and reflecting on what you can do about that yourself um, to give away leadership. Because in the long run, it is uh, going to be a more positive outcome, I believe, uh, for the organization. Did it work that way for you when you gave that bit away? It did. They came up with this whole new project called Engineering in a Box, which aims to get into really remote and regional locations in Australia. So we still do the one-day event, but this box and this kit get sent out to schools and you can uh, do it in your classroom. You don't need to have internet. It's super accessible. Everything's on a USB and they've done a fantastic job and it's meant that we've been able to scale in a completely new way. And it's been so amazing to see other leaders step up and be on their leadership journey. And I'm really, really glad um, that I did that. And yeah, it was definitely challenging to give it away. uh, But yeah, it was absolutely the best choice. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Felicity. We're really looking forward to seeing you in person at the ISQ State Forum in June. And just thank you for talking to the school bell. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much. You have been listening to The School Bell, an Independent Schools Queensland podcast. To learn more about Independent Schools Queensland, visit our website, isq.qld.edu.au. To catch our next episode or listen to some previous podcasts, you can subscribe to ISQ's The School Bell on iTunes or Google Play. You can also listen via our website or wherever you get your podcasts.